Well, we are going to kick off our new sermon series, one I have been excited about for a long time. So this is the launch. If you're here, you don't want to miss the rest of the ones. It's, um, they're all going to kind of tie in together. Um, you could miss one randomly and then listen to the podcast. But we're going to talk about the names of God. Anybody else excited about that? Come on, the names of God, right? I, I think that in names, there are certain attributes, characteristics that come along with the name. I think that it's going to, uh, to draw us closer to God as we learn more about the names of God and, and why God has different names and all about those different things. And, but names have meaning to them. They have meaning. So when we were going through our uh, adoption process with our little Ezekiel, uh, we were trying to decide what his name was g- going to be. His, his name was Tiong Ming. That was his Chinese name. But we were going to change that to, to an American name, and he was little. And so, so we were going through the process, and we were trying to decide on a name. And all of our boys have the E-L at the end, right? So Gabriel, Israel, and then now our little Ezekiel. And so we thought, well, maybe Daniel. Because Daniel's my middle name, that would fit. We could say you're named after your dad. That would, that would be a, a good middle name, right? Then we thought, well, maybe Samuel. Because Samuel in the Bible, we love Samuel in the Bible. Tracy and I have, have related to Samuel often. Like, that would be a good name. Or even Michael. So Michael was Tracy's dad's name. Now, I never got to meet Tracy's dad. He, uh, he died before I could meet him. But he sounded like a good man. And I thought that would be a great way to honor him. And then she said the name Ezekiel. And I was like, that's it. That's the one. We're going to name him Ezekiel. And it's not because that's a, that was a family member. It's not because that was a friend. It's not because there's a verse in Ezekiel that spoke to my life and changed my life. It's because the running back for the Dallas Cowboys at the time was Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> and, and I said, that's it. That's the one. I mean, you guys just have to know what was going on. We're in the midst of having the best running back in the NFL. Okay, He was, he was on a six-year span where he did four seasons over 1,000 yards. Okay, the, the fifth season, he only played half the season and had like 990. Right, Four seasons, he had over 10 touchdowns. His rookie season, he had 15 touchdowns. I love me some Ezekiel Elliott, and that's why Ezekiel is named Ezekiel. In fact, I had uh, one day his teacher was I was I have a sweater that that has the Dallas Cowboys logo on and it says a Zeke a Zeke across the front of it. And I'm walking in school and his teacher pulls me aside. Oh, Steve, that is so lovely. You love your son so much. You had a sweater named after him. I didn't have the heart to tell her that was Ezekiel Elliott, not Ezekiel Karst. So I just went with it. I just went with it. The point is, names have meaning to it, don't they? They do. They have meaning to it. It's the reason your wife won't let you name your daughter an ex-girlfriend's name. It's, it's, it's not going to happen, folks. I don't know why, but in my 20s, I dated a bunch of girls named Laura. And Laura, my wife would never, my wife doesn't even like it when I meet a girl named Laura. Let alone ever going to name a daughter Laura. Like, this is never going to happen because names have meanings to it they mean something but the ultimate name that represents God is Jesus in fact we find out in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 it says this therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above 
every name. And that is going to be the main scripture that we use throughout the entire sermon series. And we're going to see how ultimately we see the character of God in Jesus. That, that we can see the perfect representation of God in Jesus because he is God, right? He is God that came down and saved us from our sins. And Jesus' name means something to us. When, we, when I say Jesus, for most of us in this room, it brings back memories. It does. It, it might be the time that you were in children's church and you were learning about Jesus and Mrs. So-and-so loved you so much and, and you just think the world of her and you remember feeling loved and cared for in that moment. For some people, it might be the, a time that you were going through something extremely difficult and, and you called out to Jesus and you didn't realize that he was there, but now thinking back to it, you realize he was there the whole time. And he was helping you walk through that. And for others, it might remind you of a time that somebody hurts you. Maybe somebody in the church hurts you. And I want you to know if that's you this morning, and that's what the name Jesus means for you, that was sinful humanity that did that. That was not our Lord Jesus. And humanity makes mistakes. And we are sinful. But Jesus reminds us of something. The name Jesus brings something up. The great thing that, uh, the, the, about this series is as we go through the names, you're going to be able to see Jesus throughout each and every name that we talk about. And the first one that we're going to talk about in this series, the launch one, is the name Elohim. Elohim. And we see this in the very first verse of the Bible. Okay? Let me, let me read it to you. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, or Elohim in Hebrew, created the heavens and the earth. Now, this next little bit might get a little confusing, okay? So if, if this little bit here, let me, when I explain this name to you, gets a little confusing, just see me after service. I, I will do my best to explain. I'm going to do my best to explain it now. But there is a little bit of confusion when it comes to the word Elohim. So Elohim is the plural form of the word El. Okay, so there has been a lot of debate. It is hotly debated why Elohim shows up in the first verse of the Bible. Now, for me personally, I have no doubt. In my mind, I absolutely believe that it's a reference to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That right in the beginning, you see Jesus, the Trinity, right there in verse 1 of the Bible. And it's hotly debated, but for me personally, there's no debate. That's exactly what is being referenced to. We know that, that all things were created through Jesus, right? So in my mind, 1-1, one, one, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. That's Jesus, plural form, right? The Trinity. We see that right away. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. Elohim not only references God, in scripture, but it also references other spiritual beings. So let me give you a couple of examples. Psalms 82. God, Elohim, has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of God's, Elohim, same word, he holds judgment. Our Deuteronomy 10.17. For the Lord your God is God, Elohim, of God's, Elohim, and Lord of Lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes 
no bribe. Now, I want to point out to you that there's one surefire way that, that they've made it simple so you know whether Elohim is referring to God-God or spiritual beings. If the G is capitalized, he's referring to the Lord. If, and, and that, that's based on Hebrew, that, that's much more complicated than, than, than we're going to get into this morning. But if the G in your English Bible is capitalized, it's referring to the Lord-God. If it's lowercase, it's referring to spiritual beings and i want to point out we do this in english also we have words that this happens in in english right so on mother's day i might send out something on social media that says to to the, all the moms out there you're doing a great job keep up the good work okay but on that same day i might be sitting at a table with my brothers and sisters and i might say hey how is mom doing now, in one case, I'm referring to a role, and in another case, I'm referring to a specific mom. We do the exact same thing in English. It's just, it's just that's the way God is, Elohim, in Hebrew. Now, don't call me a heretic. I fully understand there's only one God and one Lord, and that is it, right? All right we all get that. Let me, let me, the Bible is very, 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 very clear about this. So don't go off some, don't, don't listen to a guy in the van by the river who's telling you there's many gods. Don't do that. The Bible is super clear about this. This is Isaiah 45, 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens. So we're talking about the Lord God. He is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Over and over again, Scripture is really clear about this. That there's only one God with a capital G. That's it. Only one exists. He's the only one. The problem is, we want to make God smaller than he really is. We do this. We want to make God smaller. We want to fit God in a box. And make him, confine him to our way of thinking and what we want him to be. Right? One thing, one thing you might not know about me is I love Christmas decorations. I mean, I, I absolutely love Christmas decorations. It started when my sister was 25 years old, or excuse me, when she was, she was a teenager. I bought her a Christmas tree. She really wanted a Christmas tree. I was 25. And it has only grown since. In fact, it has become an obsession. Like, it, it has become a, like a problem sometimes in my life. Ask my wife. And it only amped up when I bought a house. It only got worse. So we buy a house, and, and I start adding Christmas decoration blow-ups to my yard. I have had Star Wars collections. Yoda. Darth Vader, C-3PO, R2-D2. I have had a 50-foot Olaf in my yard. Now, that may have saved a teenage girl, which is a whole nother long story, but she was able to recognize a house that was safe and was able to go there. But that, ask me about that after service. Like, I have had many, 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 many Christmas decorations, uh, characters, bulbs in my yard. At any given Christmas, I would have 7 to 10 in my yard. Then I started with lights, and it started with projector light shows, right? 
I have had Star Wars ones. I have had snowman ones. I have had the dazzling light shows, right? I have had projectors that could do any color, any pattern, all over my house. And then the last time that I, that I went all out for, for Christmas decorations, I did light strips all along the house and all in the trees. But not just normal light strips that turn solid colors. These are light strips that each and every single light is programmable. So I can literally do any pattern, any color, all across my house. Like, it, it, if I told you how much time I put into Christmas decorations some years, you would think I was crazy. And it's all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. One time I was named the second best house in Bonner County. Like, it, it, it's all you do during December when you go all out like that. And then all year long, you just have cars that would like, you're driving, they're driving down the street, they slow down, they drive real slow, but the people behind them are honking, like, what are you doing? People would camp out in front of the house, kids on the block would come sit in front of the house and just watch it. At any given moment during the Christmas week, you could look out my window and see people that are just watching the Christmas lights. It was all-encompassing. And then you know what happens in January? I take them all down. And I stick them in a box, and I wait till next year, right? And that is exactly the reason that I tell you this, because sometimes we do that with God. When it's convenient for us, when we want to show him off, when we want him to be, have, be the most important thing going on in our life, we have no problem with that. And then when it becomes an inconvenience, then when it becomes a problem... We put him in a box, we close it up, and we don't allow him to be the Lord of our life. We can't do that, guys. He is Elohim. He's the God of God. All too often we act as if we can just bring God out of the box when we want to, when it's convenient for us. And then when he asks something of you that you don't want to do, that you don't really want to change, we put him back in the box. We make him smaller than he really is. Let me just say this. If you are continually putting God in a box, you are going to continually struggle with doubt. Think about that. When you continually draw closer to God, when he be continually becomes the biggest part of your life, when he is the most important thing in your life, then, then he, your faith will only grow. It will become immeasurable. But if you stick him in a box and you say, God, you are only so big and you can only come out when I say so, you're going to continually struggle with doubt. That's not how God works. He's not interested in being stuck in your box. He's not. Jesus wants you to turn your entire life over to him. Jesus wants everything about your life. God is, it's not that we're trying to make God bigger than he is. He is just bigger than you can even imagine. It, you, we will never fully comprehend how big God is. When we elevate God to who he is, our faith becomes powerful. Let me say that again because this is important. When we elevate God to who he is, our faith becomes 
powerful. And we need that. You know, one of the things I get asked as a pastor a lot, I get asked, this is a common question, is when, why is God not doing the things that he used to do? Why are we not seeing the God of revival and God breaking out and doing the things that he used to do? You know, and I think there's a lot, that's a, that's a long qu- qu- answer to that. But I think one of the very clear ways that we don't do that, we see God moving in those ways is because as Americans, we want to stick God in our box. And we want him to fit in our box and we want him to be who we think he should be. And God doesn't operate that way. If you really want God to bring revival in your life and around you, you have to let God to be in complete control of your life. He has to be every part of your life. He has to be in complete control. He has to, you, your life is about him, not the other way around. This will cause your faith to become powerful. This will cause faith to start to flood away, or doubt to start flooding away. It'll start to go away at that point. You will see God do incredible things in your life. And see, you need to know that it's impossible to understand how, God, how big God is and not be in awe. It's impossible. Psalms, Psalms 33, 8 says this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world, inhabitants of the world, stand in awe of him. You can't, you can't get a glimpse of how big God is and not be in awe of him. When God is truly working in your life, when he is doing great things in your life, you are going to stand and be in awe of him. Now, I'm kind of a nerd, and I like study of science, right? But, and I think the heavens declare the glory of God. I believe that wholeheartedly. But let me just give you a few facts about the universe that are just absolutely mind-blowing. That you can't read these things and not be in awe of what, we, what, we, what God created. Right in Genesis 1-1, too, right? He just created it, just, just like it was a thing. So check this out. Did you know that the sun is so large, you could fit 1.3 million Earths inside of it? Think about that. The planet that houses all of humanity, the planet you live on, would fit into that 1.3 million times. That's big. That's a big God. Do big things. Did you know that it is estimated, because they, they can't really count it yet, but do you know that it is estimated that there are more stars in the universe than there are is sand grains on the earth? How many know there's a lot of sand on the earth, right? It is estimated there's more stars in the universe than sand on the earth. That, that just blows you away, right? It's incredible. In Genesis 1-1, God just does it. Boom, just like that. Not even bragging about it, just a thing. Did you know our galaxy is the Milky Way? That's the Milky Way, right? If we were to travel to the center of the Milky Way with the current travel rate that we have currently in space, it would take 45 million years. Let that sink in for a minute. If we were to leave our planet 
and just go to the center of that at the current speed that we can go, 45, or excuse me, 45, 450 million years it would take us. And in Genesis 1-1, God just creates. He just creates. Right? Did you know there's a gigantic reservoir of water in space? It's just sitting there. Just a gigantic reservoir of water that is one, or excuse me, 140 trillion times more water than we have on Earth. And it's just sitting in space. It's just sitting there. It's just out there. They found it one day. 140 trillion times more water than we have on Earth is just sitting in space. Our newest and greatest telescope, James Webb, this is the, the known universe that we know of. That's the greatest view that we can get, right? The, there is um, each and every one of those dots rep represents a galaxy, okay? That's what we can see. That's what we know of. But it is estimated that the universe is 250 times larger than what we can see. And that's just an estimation. We don't really even know. So we can see all of that. And God, Genesis 1-1, just like that, just creates it like it's not a thing. There's an entire universe out there that we have no idea what is beyond what we can see. And God just talks about it, Genesis 1-1. He just creates it. God is bigger and more powerful than you could even imagine. You can't wrap your head around it. It's impossible. He holds it all in his hand. It's all just right there. And he holds it in his hand. And he just controls it all. And it's not even a thing to him. And that's how big our God It's impossible to think of those things. And not stand in awe of Hello Elohim, isn't it? He's that powerful. He's that big. And as we understand him more, our faith grows. And we understand what he's doing, our faith grows. And we take God out of our box and we say, God, you can have all of my life. I'm nothing but an ant to you anyway. It's I was created for you and by you and I just want to serve you. Our faith becomes powerful. becomes immeasurable. That's when God truly begins to work in our life. God is not a Christmas decoration that we can just shove in a box. He is all-encompassing all the time. Let me show you this in Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. So this day of Pentecost has already happened. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has fallen. In Acts 2, 42, it says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So let me break this down a little bit. They devoted themselves. They were all in. God is bigger than we could imagine. We live to serve. He is everything that we need in our life. They devoted themselves to him. It says to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, to the the fellowship to the breaking of bed, the church of God, to prayer, believing that God was going to do incredible things in their life. Everything that they had devoted themselves to was about and for God. That's what they did. They were elevating God to who he was. And as we elevate God, our faith will only grow. Verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. 
Everybody say, God is awesome. It's impossible to give God complete control and see the incredible things that he will do in your life and not stand back and be in absolute awe. That's what will happen. And many, wines, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God showed up and did amazing things in their lives. But they made him that all-consuming God. They took God out of the box and they put him in front of the yard. And they say, Lord, you're going to be the most important thing in our life. You, you're the all-consuming. Everything in our life is going to be about you. And all they could do was stand back and be in awe of what God did. River Church, that is what I want for this church. I want us to elevate God and us stand back and see the wonderful, incredible things that he's going to do in our community. And just be in awe of all the incredible things that are happening. That's what I want for our church. When we give God the devotion that he deserves, that's when he becomes powerful. That's when we are going to be able to stand back and say, Lord, I don't know how you do it. I don't know why, but you do it and it's incredible and it's amazing and it's awesome. There's no greater moment in your life than when you stand back and you go, Lord, you asked me to take that step of faith. I took the step of faith and now I'm just in awe of what you did. There's no greater moment. God is too big for you to call on him at your convenience and then dismiss him when you want to. Let me say that again. I think it's important. God is too big for you to call him on him at your convenience and then dismiss him when you want to. The first word for God in the Bible, Elohim, in Scripture is referenced as he creates the heavens and the earth. Now for us, that's mind-blowing. That's incredible. That's powerful. So much so there's people that doubt it even happened, right? So much so that they, they, they can't even believe it. But for God, it ain't nothing but a thing. That's how big he is. That's how powerful he is. Now I want to talk to individuals in the room, if you want to come up, Sherry. Now I want to talk to individuals in the room that, that are struggling with doubt. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have to make a confession. They're, I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor. But maybe you at times in your life go, there's moments that I doubt God. Listen. Our culture is constantly bombarding us, trying to get us to doubt Jesus, trying to get us to doubt the creation, trying to get us to doubt and get, and get us to believe in evolution and the Big Bang, which is now being rewritten because there's evidence that, that points to it not even being close to the truth. If you want more, more on that, see me after service. But we're constantly bombarded, bombarded by people that are trying to get us to doubt our faith, right? The struggle, it's a struggle, and the struggle is absolutely 
real. And if you are in this room and you are struggling with doubt, you know what will help you overcome it? Elevate Elohim to his rightful place. Elevate Elohim, God, to who he is. And as you do that and you, and you, and you stop and you, and you watch God work in your life, when you give him control of, God, I'm going to give you control over my kids. I'm going to give you control over my marriage. I'm going to give you control over my job. I'm going to give you control over my finances. Everything I do in my life is going to be about you and for you. And as you do that, you will simply stand back in awe and go, wow, God really does show up. But, he, but we have to elevate him. We can't be, God is not a Christmas decoration. You don't just get to bring him out every once in a while. Easter and Christmas and then shove him back in a box when he's way too big for that. He won't stand for that. That's not his jam. The Hebrew word for God found in the first verse, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. God is bigger than you could possibly imagine. He's beyond your, it's beyond your comprehension. To try to say, oh, I understand just how big God is, it's not even close. We just, we just slightly grasp what, what God, how powerful God is. We just slightly grasp it. We don't really, but we get it a little bit. 